Hi, and welcome to the API Rising podcast. I'm Van Tran. And I'm Kathy Butler. In this podcast, we explore career journeys where Asian culture and corporate America intersect. Happy Asian and Pacific Heritage Month, everyone. And coincidentally, May is also Mental Health Awareness Month. In this episode, we wanted to explore the intersection of API Heritage Month and Mental Health Awareness Month, particularly through the lens of imposter syndrome. Well, it's been a huge API Heritage Month to start with. We launched API Rising at the beginning of this month. We've had so much coverage and there's a ton of content and information out there celebrating API Heritage Month. It's been really exciting to see. I was super inspired and always am inspired during API Heritage Month and seeing all of the accomplishments of so many API from Gold House to on an individual basis to all this development of content and podcasting and API leaders and small business API folks. But I also thought that there is on an individual basis, the potential for a little bit of downside to it um, as just like a different way to think about this. Like on an individual basis, when we already feeling a little bit underrepresented in the workplace or that we haven't accomplished enough because we are some we are we're told that we need to accomplish more does it leave some of us feeling like we're we're not enough during api month and i thought it would be interesting to explore the imposter syndrome as a different take on api month so let's start off understanding what is imposter syndrome Van, what are your thoughts on this? To me, imposter syndrome is an extreme version of self-doubt. Regardless of all of the external indications that you are successful and competent, for some reason, you don't believe that you are enough. You don't believe that you can successfully fill the role that you're in or accomplish the task that's in front of you. And it can cause debilitating anxiety where you can't sleep, you're restless, you have this impending sense of doom or fear that people will find out that you actually don't belong. And even though this isn't an official diagnosis, many psychologists acknowledge that this is a really that this is a very real form of anxiety and self-doubt, and many of us experience this. Which just feeds into, I think, an already innate sense of maybe being an outsider um, and being a foreigner, knowing that we look different in the workplace, knowing that we um, have different expectations of us as Asian Americans. Do you think that some of our bringing up culture or growing up culture um, contributes to imposter syndrome? Oh my God, 100%. <laughs> I'm laughing because I hate to say it, but that tiger mom stereotype, there is some truth to that where our parents expect so much from us. Kathy, you sent me a, a clip on Instagram that I'm just laughing about. And it's the parents are just constantly trying to outdo each other talking about your accomplishments and you have to live up to that. 
For sure. I, you know, I think it's really um, interesting that there are, from our parents' perspectives, our achievements are limitless and that their expectations, no matter what level we do achieve, it feels like sometimes they want more from us. And they always say, well, we just want you to be happy. We want you to be safe. We want you to have a comfortable life. But it's sort of like it begs the question of to what end. And I, I love so much that our parents are proud of us and that they have things to talk about with their friends and family about our accomplishments. But it creates this behavior from us as individuals where we feel like, well, nothing that we do is ever quite enough. And I will take it one step further to the point where I myself keep seeking negative, constructive feedback. And when I don't get it, there's this feeling like somebody's not telling me something and I have this internal narrative all the time to do better, to do better. And that is quintessential (laughs) imposter syndrome, you know, and that combined with some of the things that we experience in the workplace already, especially when you're coming in as the only or first-generation immigrants or folks who may not have graduated from an Ivy League university may feel like they're not enough coming into the workplace. And there's this constant comparison. So it just compounds the problem, becomes a real big challenge. And I didn't know this, but as part of the research for this conversation, there are different types of imposter syndrome. I thought about it as just the the internal conversation we have with ourselves about, well, I'm not good at this. I didn't do this well, et cetera, et cetera. But the reality is that there are different, um, dare I say, species of imposter syndrome um, that um, are maybe under under are misunderstood um, as behaviors that sort of ladder up to imposter syndrome. Van, do you want to talk through some of them? There's five types and I'll just name some of them and you can fall into one or more of these different types of imposter syndrome. So there's the perfectionist, which I definitely have this problem. And perfectionists tend to have excessively high goals. They tend to be micromanagers. They feel like they need to be perfect 100% of the time and tend to ruminate for days when they're not. This is, this is something that I have grappled with. And I know at the same time that I want to give people room to be themselves. So it's a constant conflict that happens all the time. There's the expert. Experts want to research and know everything. They want to be very informed, but sometimes they run out of time doing the research and they don't really estimate correctly how much time it takes. And it's never going to be enough because they aren't the expert at everything, but they want to be. There's the soloist who wants to do everything alone because they don't want people to see all of their flaws Um, can definitely understand that. There's the genius where a lot of things might come easy to them, but when things become hard, there might be a topic or an area where it's a little bit challenging for them and they're not used to that. They tend to struggle a little bit more or they give up. Then there's the last one, the superhero or 
what we may call workaholics who push themselves to work so hard. They are uh, working harder. They're working longer than everyone else because they feel like they need to. I probably fall into three areas, the perfectionist, the expert, and the superhero. I'll give you an example, like the whole podcast, this podcast, I can't tell you how much time I spent researching platforms, testing the platforms, seeing what the whole experience is like. I read reviews, I read recommendations from other people, but I had to validate it myself. And well, I love the podcast platform that we're on, if that that helps. But you did take quite a bit of time, but I appreciated your thoroughness around it because personality-wise, I don't have the same eye to detail on similar things. So I think in a workplace, there is value to some of this behavior in a way that moves things forward as opposed to creates feelings of self-doubt and feelings that you're not good enough. And so therefore you have to do all of these things. And so it leads me to the next part of the discussion, which is what do we do when we feel like we might be in a hole in terms of how we're feeling about ourselves? And the way you and I have been talking about it is reframing imposter syndrome through optimism. And I think it's both recognizing the feelings, but also finding actions to help us through situations, help us through the emotional valleys that sometimes we can experience in a workplace. So what are some things that you do, Van, to help you move things forward as opposed to feeling kind of stuck in, in moments of feeling like an imposter? Um, a lot of times I will pause. I mean, it's one thing I'll share this, but, uh, in my Zen practice, which I have not been <laughs> completely consistent on, but taking a moment to pause. I also know that I tend to have these tendencies and behaviors and I'm able to recognize I'm aware of them. Um, and that helps me stop the cycle and just say, oh, I'm doing this again. Um, so I pause and reflect on that and, and then take a moment to celebrate the things that I have accomplished as well. And even in the planning phase, I'll look at it, some of the goals that I have there. I'm like, is this really realistic? Does this actually make sense um, for us? So I stop um, and take a moment to reevaluate and adjust because I know I have those tendencies and know that I've actually accomplished a lot. Uh, you help me, Kathy, celebrate those wins when I am so focused on goals uh, that celebrating those like mini milestones really help me get to a great mental space and know that we're doing great. We're right where we need to be. What are some of the what are some of the things that you do, Kathy? One thing I do a lot, particularly when there is a, a series of decisions I know I need to make um, and it feels incredibly overwhelming and I feel unequipped to make the big decision is I break down the decisions to the immediate decision I need to take as the first step and make that decision find some positivity or good outcome after that, and then make the next decision. So it's a little bit of a one foot forward, does that make sense? Um, just to take the next step, because 
in times when it's something I've never done before, or it feels incredibly big, um, and I don't know how to move forward, just taking that one step actually reframes my view around like, I can do this. And hopefully it's a decision that feels familiar. And that has been, um, I have successfully done before. And I always think about it as it's a nothing to lose mindset for me where, um, although it could be quite scary, most of the time it is, um, I have done something similar and that by taking this one next step, there's nothing to lose on the other side of it. Absolutely. I will also say you are an efficiency warrior as well. This is something that as we progress in our careers, that sense of time starvation is real and decisioning needs to be very fast. That leaves no room for my perfectionist tendencies, my expert tendencies, or wanting to be a superhero because you're just so limited in time and you can actually create this time boxing even if you're not in that time starved mode but you can time box the things that you have to do and say okay i'm only going to spend x amount of time getting some information and you make very quick decisions at that point in time because you've time boxed that you might reach out to somebody else to gather that information because the goal is to move through all of these different um steps, as you've said, and broken that down very quickly in order to reach your goals. So that's definitely something that um, I think folks can do as well. And it's not to say to ignore those feelings as well. You might give yourself an amount of time to ruminate or think about it, but it's the, you know, like you, you know, it's not going to be super productive, but you're honoring those feelings and then moving through that, honoring them, accepting them, knowing that this is a story that you're telling yourself and they're not facts. So you move through that story, you move through the feelings, and then you've got some things to do. I think that's absolutely right. I, I don't think our thought is to ignore the feelings because I think you do have to honor them and you have to recognize them, but also know that you can put them in a drawer and put them away um, and after you have honored them. On the other end of the spectrum, um, something that uh, was recommended to me by my coach is to have an awesome folder. And that could be on your desktop as part of your email, however you self-organize. I don't do this very well, but I do have an awesome folder. And I drop in things there that are nice notes from coworkers or words of encouragement from so-and-so, or I save things in my Instagram that make me feel good. And so where, when I'm in times of you know, emotional valleys, I go to those places and I just get a dose of serotonin to feel good that I remember those accomplishments. I remember those moments where I did something great enough that somebody sent me a note or I'm watching something that brings back those feelings so that I have a place to go when I need it. And it doesn't always have to be a friend or anybody else just in thinking about being self-reliant, but that those are feelings that I can create for myself um, or get back into a situation where I can create those good feelings for myself too. Who doesn't love an awesome folder? I 
appreciate an awesome folder for sure. And honestly, even when I'm working with team members, it's something that you should have not only for you to remind yourself of all of your accomplishments, but then at various periods of the year when you need to kind of toot your own horn and talk about your accomplishments, you have it on hand and you're able to pull all of that information um, and share that with whomever you need to share that with. That's exactly right. And just to be a little bit revealing, you and I have an awesome folder as part of API Rising to remind ourselves that we've come a long way and that there's been great feedback and we hope to have more along the way. Um, but that it's a it's a place to go for us to remember the things that we've accomplished. I think the other thing that maybe is a, a tip uh, or something to do is to confide in somebody, a coworker, a good friend that you have these moments where you have self-doubt and that you're actively asking them to remind you in these moments to show yourself a little grace. And to be a little bit of a stepping stone out of these emotional valleys that we have for ourselves so that somebody else is there to remind you of your self-worth and your accomplishments and that it's okay to feel how you're feeling, but be a stepping stone out of it. So Van, we've talked a lot about imposter syndrome today. What are some takeaways for our listeners to think about to help them navigate the valleys of imposter syndrome? Sure. So imposter syndrome happens to everyone at some point or another in their careers, and it can manifest in many ways. We've listed five different behaviors to pay attention to, and we have five key takeaways to combat imposter syndrome. The first is to reflect on the feelings that you're experiencing. It's quite human and normal to experience fear at some point in your careers and know that you can combat that by giving yourself some level of self-value and appreciation. That leads us to item number two. List your accomplishments, all of the things that you have achieved to date that has led to where you're at, your successes, and list the things that make you uniquely you. It's a great time to um, reference that awesome folder that we recommend everybody create where you drop in all of those positive notes and feedbacks uh, and feedback pieces of information that you've collected over the years that gives you that hit of serotonin that is key and important in those moments when you're feeling quite vulnerable. The third thing you can do is time box your task or problem. This will very quickly give you a set of constraints so then you don't spend your time circling the same behaviors that you've been circling and break down the larger tasks and goals into smaller tasks so then when you complete each milestone you'll feel a sense of accomplishment with each milestone and while you're at it play out a number of different scenarios and alternative outcomes in your mind. This will help reverse or balance out the more negative outcome that you're currently imagining. The fourth thing that you can do 
is to ask a friend or a coworker to point out those moments when you should show yourself some grace. If this happens to you a lot, it's great to have someone in your corner to remind yourself like, hey, it's okay, you're going into this cycle again. And that way it, you can you know, have somebody to help stop you from doing that hopefully sooner, and hopefully that will build some muscle memory for yourself that you can catch yourself in these moments sooner and stop that process. And the last thing is to have a nothing-to-lose mindset. Um, The idea is really kind of grounded around this growth mindset where you have nothing to lose if you take action, right? Whether the outcome is absolutely what you wanted it to be or not quite hitting the mark of where you wanted it to be, you still have data points in which you can leverage and use as learnings for the future. And so ideally, if you have all of those five different actions, it'll help you break the cycle of imposter syndrome. Thank you so much. This has been such a fun session thinking about the intersection of API Heritage Month, but also recognizing that May is Mental Health Awareness Month. I think we took a deep dive into imposter syndrome and how some of us are feeling, um, but also understanding that there are ways out of it. So thank you for tuning in to the API Rising podcast. Follow us on Instagram, And also visit our website, www.apirising.com, and look at our Career Rising program, where we support your career development through guided coaching and development, and look forward to continuing to advance API leadership in corporate America.